the Comedy Zone podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved. From Charlotte, North Carolina, this is the Comedy Zone Podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast. Email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Now, your host, Jason Allen King. Welcome to the Comedy Zone podcast for the week of February 11th. I think I said February right, right there. I'm not sure. Uh, you know what? This has been a decent week, and uh, that is definitely good enough these days. Uh, things have felt real somber and weird, so a little overcast, cooler weather represents things getting better. And as I say it, that's actually even more bleak, I'm um, sorry to say. But I have, I've been working, I've been doing some comedy, a ton of film work, so I, I, I feel good, you know? The only problem with with feeling good, feeling okay, doing okay, is that that shit's not funny. Uh, mediocre is the way. I might rob a bank or something to get my blood pressure up and make it exciting so I have some material. Um, uh, I will say, though, that I am happy that my folks have both received the first shot of the vaccine, so now they're talking backwards and they glow in the dark. Uh, good luck if you're getting it, guys. <laughs> they took the Russian one. I should have started with that. Um, as usual, I'm excited to be here to talk shop with the most talented man uh, in the podcast business, the man behind the curtain, Brian Baltashevitz. How are you, buddy? Hello, Jason. I'm good. How are you? Oh, I mean, man. I guess we just established you're good. So. I did. I, I'm, I'm to the top, which means I'm just doing okay. <laughs> it's just an impulse just to come out and say, hey, how are you doing? Even though you've already told us. <laughs> yeah. Spent this is a comedian coming on stage <laughs> asking that's, after that's exactly right. everyone else has already done it. Hey, you how just, are we doing tonight? You just did eight minutes about how good you're doing. And now, <laughs> now I come back and open up that door again. Sorry. Good Lord. Thanks. <laughs> Way to really just tear into this this episode. Good work, buddy. We yeah, should we should say though that uh, you you were uh, invited to speak at the. Uh, uh, tell me what it is because I'm going to get the name wrong. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the uh, Podfest Global Summit. It's uh, the first week of March. It's a virtual uh, uh, conference. This will be my third speaking engagement at uh, Podfest, so that's exciting. Awesome. Uh, speaking as always about uh, local, the power of local podcasting. So yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, you know getting in front of a global audience again. And you calling it a summit sounds like you guys are going to share like nuclear codes or something. What, that's... I, I I believe that's happening in one of the breakouts. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's okay. everyone's exchanging their nuclear codes and and. Uh, Moving forward from there. <laughs> well, good job. Uh, we're, we are proud of you. You do a great job Thanks. here at the, uh, on the network and on this uh, this podcast for sure. So uh, we're proud of you, buddy. Good work. It's, Thanks, it's, Jason. Uh, I appreciate that. Thanks. It's nice to hear that every once in a while, and you deserve it for sure. Yeah. Um, and we also we, uh, we always want to say hi to our colleague, friend, comedy brother, Will Jacobs, always taking care of uh, work and life and kids and licking his wounds after that Eagles season. Uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing back from him soon. What's up, Will? I uh, hope all's well, man. We will catch up with you soon. I didn't get a chance to talk to him this week. Um, but uh, I, you know what? I don't want to waste any more time, Brian. You know that I'm downright giddy uh, about our, our special guest this week. Uh, he He's a killer comedian. He'll knock you out every time you see him. But I, I, 
I do want to get through some of his accomplishments, but I also have to say that uh, he's become a friend, uh, a teacher to me personally, uh, my comedy career. Uh, he's just a stand-up guy, and I'm, I can't say anything else good, uh, anything else good about him. Uh, I'll start crying, uh, and I don't want to give him a bigger head than he already has. Uh, <laughs> he is a regular on the Las Vegas Strip. He's a, a veteran of uh, so many USO tours. I mean, like he was in like proper tours, like in Iraq and Afghanistan. He was featured in Newsweek uh, for his work over there. He uh, headlines uh, this great Irish comedy tour. Uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about that. Uh, he has a dry bar special coming out this spring. You can hear him on Sirius XM, Bob and Tom. He opens for musical acts. This guy, he has a podcast called A Drink with Derek, and it's awesome. I did it, and it was so much fun. We played bla uh, Blackjack. He's the author uh, of Whiskey, Cancer, and Bad Decisions, which is now on Amazon.com. Literally, we could do the whole show just – talking about this man's accomplishments. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Derek Richards to the podcast. What is up, my Thank friend? Thank you so much. There's a few you forgot, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I could care less. What's happening, guys? Uh, not too much, man. This is fun. We're, look at this. We're, we're, we're crossing time zones here to, to have you on. This is wonderful. I know. This is, uh, this is a really good time. I'm out here in uh, Las Vegas, and uh, you guys are over in, uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, a great city, which I have not been to in a long time. i got to get back there. Yeah, you do. Because I know one of the last times you were here, uh, you actually performed up in Lake Norman. This is prior to me getting into comedy, and I went with my sister-in-law and my brother and a bunch of people. And uh, we performed together a couple weeks back. It was a month or so ago. And they came down because of how much they loved you in, Charlotte, in, in Lake Norman, that they have family down there. Literally, my sister-in-law and her friend uh, flew down, and they had a bunch of family wow. that came to the show. It was that awesome. was so cool. That, was, that really tells you that the pandemic just has everybody completely screwed for entertainment. <laughs> Right. If you're gonna hop a plane to come down and see my sorry ass in Port Charlotte, Florida, from from Charlotte, North Carolina, that is no. They are they could not have been nicer people, and I'm so happy that they came out. Yeah, it was cool, right? I, I was really really thrilled that they they came down there. Uh, I have to ask, you know, you, you brought it up uh, uh, too, the ubiquitous question: How have you been handling the pandemic, like personal level, comedy level? Like how, how how's it been going? Now, you know, I've been keeping busy. I can't, uh, I really can't complain. I, you know, there was a, obviously a, a dramatic halt right when everything uh, broke loose right around St. Patrick's Day, which was just a miserable time for, uh, uh, for everybody. But yeah. I mean, you know, we, we were just on the tail end of doing the, uh, the Irish comedy tour back in, um, the spring and I had a, uh, you know, three month layoff and then I was able to start, you know, Cranking back up in the middle of June, I went to Oklahoma City and then Wichita, Kansas. And I mean, you hate to, I, you know, I've been keeping busy. How can I put this without making it sound like a partisan issue in, in red states? Oh, right. Uh, sure. sure. I, red, red states that are open. Florida, yep. South Carolina, Indiana, Oklahoma, yep. Texas, Arkansas, whatever. It's, uh, you know, it's. <laughs> It's, you know, it's, it's kept me busy. I can't, uh, I can't complain. I mean, you gotta have, uh, you, you gotta want to hustle. You gotta want to go out there and get it because it's not going to drop in your lap. Right. Right. Well, I mean, that's, that's who you are too. And the, and also to add that, like I was in Florida, that's where all of my shows have been, except for one was in South Carolina. So, uh, same deal. I totally get that. It's uh, definitely worth the mention, but that's something I like that I think about you as far as you seem to be a hustler. You, you, not only are you hysterical, but you really wrap your head around the business side of this uh, in a serious way, which I, I, I admire. Because uh, of, of all the people, like you, I follow you on, on all the socials. You're always working. 
you're always at the next thing. You're always, you know, pushing out what you're doing, you know, from, from your, your specials to what have you. So that's impressive to see. Well, it's good. I mean, and thanks. I mean, but you really need to, especially in this time that we're in right now where everything is, you know, you're, you're having gigs cancel, you're having uh, reduced pay being offered to you and you've got to figure out ways to navigate these waters and, you know, and pay your bills. And I have zero issue getting on a plane. I have zero issue traveling anywhere. I mean, I understand, you know, I'm not downplaying the severity of, of COVID, but you know, you got to live your life. You got to do something at some point you got to go, okay, look enough. I got (laughs) to, I got to get out of here and make a living. And I've watched you though, but it's not as if you're not flouting the rules. You're following all the rules that everybody follows. So, you know, it's not like you're just running around without a mask on kind of, kind of thing. So will will you get the vaccine or is that something you've worked towards? I I can't imagine you're high on the list to get it. I have a ridiculous amount of whiskey in my bloodstream all the time. (laughs) And you know that from working with me. So, and I, they said that out of the gate, Brian, you know that too. They said alcohol kills COVID. And I am living proof of this. (laughs) Bathes in it. Don't get me. Don't get me near a campfire. I'll go up like some magic trick at a kid's party. But (laughs) I am. uh, I am. You know, no, I'm not. I've never been a vaccine person. I mean, I've had vaccines, obviously, when I was a kid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, polio and measles and all that stuff, too. But I've never gotten the flu vaccine. And I've been very fortunate to not be in a situation where I've, um, you know, where, I, where, I, where I've been susceptible to catching a flu. So I've been, I've been very fortunate. Yes. Yeah, so it hasn't bit you or whatever. Well, you bring up the campfire. So I, I like to ask people about their origin story when it comes to comedy. You've been doing this and I don't, I won't give your age away, but, but North of 20 years. Uh, you can give my age away. I could care less. I'm 54. <laughs> I, I don't want to tell a lady's age like that. That would be terrible. I could, wow. That's rude. <laughs> wow. Hey, I well, know, Brian. Kid. I know. What a, that was, what a jackass yeah. move from your partner there. <laughs> He's been nothing but nice, Jason. He's been nothing but nice. <laughs> See, I told you. Yeah, dude. Yeah, peel the, peel the layers of the onion back on Jason Allen King, and you'll see just a deep-seated evil human being sitting there. <laughs> the horns are hidden behind my uh-huh. hair. Exactly. Uh, what, so were you always a, a funny person? Did, where, where did the, where'd the comedy in your life come from? When, were you a high school guy? Did you perform doing other things like – Give me, give me the, the, the lay of the land there. I mean, I was in radio before I started doing this. I was in radio for uh, eight years, went to broadcasting school, had a, an illustrious uh, one year of uh, college, and uh, bailed on that, went to broadcasting school, then got into radio. Um, you know, did the plays in, uh, in high school. You get, uh, you know, you get called the, um, uh, how can you put it, the, I don't want to use that term because we'd be canceled or there'd be a hashtag <laughs> <laughs> but you'd be called the, uh, you know, the theater blank. Gotcha. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was, so I mean, you I did that, it. I did that in high school and, um, but I mean, I never had any, you know, it, uh, aspirations to become a comedian when I was in high school or even in college for that matter. I was in radio and I would, you know, enjoy doing funny stuff on the radio, but I got fired from my last full-time radio gig. And, um, you know, just kind of not happy with the way the radio industry was looking at that time. Mm-hmm. And I'd always been a huge fan of comedy. And I'd gone to clubs. I would watch this back when A&E's uh, Evening at the Improv was yeah, on right. TV. 
we were a consumer of comedy and also sort of performing. And so suddenly that, that seems like that, that made sense. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, you in radio, you're going, you're doing these live remotes, you're doing the, the different things where you're introing bands. I mean, so I didn't have the stage fright angle, which is one of the biggest obstacles for anybody to overcome who was getting into this. Um, and I was very fortunate that the first gig that I ended up going up on stage was in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, where I was living at the time when I got fired from radio. And the guy that ran the club was a good friend of mine. We had done promotions with them before, and I told him that I wanted to do, to do this. And I had zero pressure. He said, go on up. He said, if they like you, don't do any more than 10 minutes. If you suck, bail. Come on. <laughs> no. That's, how, that's the open door you got on your first time? That's the time? open door wow. I got. I got paid the first time I went on stage. Good Lord. Good. Never, Lord. never went through any kind of an open mic scene because there really wasn't one on the west side of Michigan at the time. Mm-hmm. So that was back in, you're talking Thanksgiving, 1993 was the first weekend that I went up on stage. And okay. there wasn't any kind of an open mic scene where you could go and um, it wasn't even a, an open mic where it's like, okay, here is uh, so-and-so going up and playing a, a Bob Dylan song. And now here's Derek telling some jokes. I mean, no. there really, there wasn't any of that where I was at at the time, even though Kalamazoo, Michigan is a college town, Western Michigan University is out there. Yeah. And there's certainly a club scene, but there wasn't anything that was really um, laid out as far as being able to do open mics. So, yeah, I mean, it literally was, went on, it was at a comedy club the first time I went on stage. Wow. Uh, that's insane. I'm Derek, I think you and I were probably open micing right around the same time in Michigan. Uh, Derek and I, uh, it sounds like, grew up about maybe 20, 25 minutes as the crow flies um, apart. Um, Derek, were you uh, class of 84? Cause we're I was right class of 84, Romeo yeah, High School. So we're, we're exactly the same age. Where'd you go to school? For, I, went for to, uh, I went to Romeo High School, but then I was in, right. grew up in Detroit originally, east side, Harper and Chalmers area. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's <laughs> listening is in Charlotte's going, what is Harper and Chalmers? Yeah, I know. It doesn't mean anything. But it's, <laughs> but it's like every Derek time you talk to somebody <laughs> from... Michigan from the Detroit area, they automatically tell you the crossroads because then you instantly in your head know exactly where they were from. So I was over on the east side yep. of, uh, of Detroit and uh, okay. I was there until I was nine years old. The neighborhood went in the tank. Our front window caught a, uh, an errant bullet. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, it happens. <laughs> yeah, it, was, uh, it wasn't like anybody was aiming for my dad or, uh, or any of us. It right. just kind of, oh, look at that. Right in the, right in the front window. Right. My dad's like, we're out of here. So he ended up selling the house that they bought. God, that's got to be, well, like I said, you know, it was 1975 when we moved out of there. So I think he literally sold the house for like $200 more than he bought it for. Wow. Because the neighborhood yeah. was going in, it was in such a decline. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, um, did you go to Specs Howard for broadcast? Yes, sir. Yes, okay, I did. Specs Howard. Excellent. Um, and then um, the only kind of regular open mic that I knew of in the early 90s was in Ann Arbor at the uh, Main Street Comedy Showcase. And that's where I used to drive. I was living in Lansing. And I used to drive down every, I, I forget what night it was, Wednesday night or Thursday night or whatever, and, and open mic in Ann Arbor. No, that's great. Yeah. That's, I mean, Ann Arbor is a great city. I love playing yeah. there. So, so much fun. Um, but at the time when I was starting off in comedy, I was, you know, I had gotten fired for my last full-time radio job there wasn't any severance package or anything it's like yeah you're done and uh here's your box of crap (laughs) and uh so i mean i was waiting tables at the time i was 
doing whatever I could to hustle and, and make, and make a few bucks to pay bills. And so the comedy was something that I wanted to do, but I still was running around trying to do other things to, to make ends meet. So did you prep for that night knowing that you had that spot or was it like, go ahead, give it a shot? No, like, I, I, I prepped for it. I mean, I was writing stuff out on notepads. It was back when the uh, whole Lorena Bobbitt thing had happened. So that yeah. was helpful. So that was super easy. Yeah, that was just <laughs> a gift. You know, the only thing I'd like to say is that um, unlike some people that I know who still do Lorena Bobbitt jokes, <laughs> the, the first one that I did is now in a notebook, like shoved in a box in my closet somewhere. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's fantastic! All right, so you went you went off of your your love of comedy, your experience of consuming comedy, and you crafted a set that you would probably cringe at now, but clearly it went well. It went okay. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, you know, nobody threw stuff. The, the guy wasn't. <laughs> Or my buddy who was managing the place wasn't waving his arms in the background going, you know, get off, please stop. You know, it, it went, it went fine. It was, it was, it was the rice of comedy sets. Oh, okay. You know, right. you're not, you're not pissed off that it's on your plate, but you're not thrilled that it's there either. <laughs> Had it gone worse, would you be doing comedy? Was it like that kind of a, a moment? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it was... It, it was a great experience at the time. And the cool thing was, is that I was given the fortunate situation to, because the club at that time was running one show on Friday and two shows on Saturday. And if you look at the geographical position of Kalamazoo, it's right in between, halfway between Detroit and Chicago. Mm-hmm. So this club was drawing comics from Detroit and from Chicago. So I was seeing some fantastic headliners. Yeah. And it was like a great comedy school for me to be in that environment to go and host shows for these guys because I got to become good friends with the, who was the uh, the guy who was the booking agent because the manager that I knew wasn't booking it there was another guy involved mm-hmm. and he gave me all the opportunity in the world and I was almost sort of a house MC there I was there at least two weekends a month if not three oh, man. and so I needed to constantly keep writing stuff and putting things together because there was a whole new audience there all the time. So it was good and bad because you really couldn't get a chance to hone what you wrote because you know, you mm-hmm. do a joke and you've got to keep doing it over and over and over and over to get it polished. And I'm still working there. You know, I'm waiting tables. I can't be taken off and heading out and doing road gigs. So, I mean, for literally the first, you know, five, six months of me doing this, I just kept trying to, minimize repeating things because I remember going on stage and seeing the same audience members. Right. And I'm like, I can't do the same joke. I'm like, they, <laughs> they just saw this crap. <laughs> so, so I needed to uh, really try and stay on it and keep trying to write new things, which is, which is good. And it's a detriment too, because it's good because it forces you to write, but then it's bad because you're just trying to get new stuff out there all the time, which isn't necessarily your best. I, I was going to say that seems to be uh, uh, risky, I think is how I, I, I would put it. And that's something that, I, you know, younger comics ask me. I'm like, man, zero in on that five minutes. Get it. Get as sharp as you can possibly get it before you move on. But you're in a position because the other thing I would I try to tell because we do get comics, young comics and newer comics, we'll say, uh, listen to the show. So it's always good. You know, I, 
any advice that gets thrown out, I think, is sort of important. I want to latch on to because that's what I usually want is for people to, to get your five-minute chunk and expand from that. Uh, but also one of the other sort of things that I often advise is host as much as you can host. It's a difficult job. It's an important job. We, we harp on that. And, and kind of your, your, your story here is, is interesting. It's a different take on that, on that perspective. I think that's kind of fascinating actually. Well, and a lot of it too is if you think about it, if you can host something, that is a tremendous, tremendous asset to you. Because think about all these guys that, you know, all these famous comedians, you know, Chris Rock, um, like they got to host the Oscars. Right. And I mean, you need to have, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a, a, a brilliant comedian. And I mean, all these other ones, I think uh, Jimmy Kimmel has hosted uh, mm-hmm. the Oscars as well. I mean, again, you think about it, it's like, you know, they're not headlining the Oscars, they're hosting the Oscars. And you've got to have that MC skill set to be able to to do something yeah. like that. Even if the material's being written for you in the case of like the Oscars or the Emmys or whatever, you still yeah. need to have that skill set to be able to navigate, um, you know, a, a show like that. Yeah, and it's interesting. It's a good point because the show's bigger than you. I mean, if there's ever exactly. a show- a better example of that. The show's bigger than you. It's 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 your show to move on into hype, not so much to be the main, you know, the main sort of. Well, act. and even like I work uh, Brad Garrett's club here in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand, and Brad, when he comes out and he's working the club, he's the host. Now he comes <laughs> out and does say I don't know maybe thirty minutes out of the gate. Then he brings up the the feature act who does maybe probably around twenty ish or so. And then Brad comes back out and does like another 30 and then brings out the headliner who's got to, you know, go ahead and close it out. And <laughs> Brad Garrett is funny. Yeah. I don't know if, you see, if you've seen his stand up, he is a monster <laughs> and he's in his club. Yes. Wow. So they're there to see him. Yeah. yeah. He's yep. the guy who was on the greatest sitcom in the history of sitcoms in terms of syndication yep. and popularity. So, you know, when you have somebody like that, I mean, he was on stage and I had to go up after him one time and yeah. I'm standing backstage behind this curtain and my buddy's in the crowd watching the show. Brad's up there and he is destroying. I mean, like literally, I mean, the, you can, I mean, the walls are shaking and I, and I have my phone on vibrate and I, I pick up my phone and I look at it and my buddy goes, have fun following this. <laughs> That's a and good just, That's a good I know, such a douchebag, but it's exactly what I would have said to him or to you or anybody else who was going up. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great watching you tank it. (laughs) But he doesn't do that to ruin the show. I mean, he is just having fun. The crowd's there to see him. And he's not there to make it miserable for you. I mean, he just takes the crowd here. And then the difference is, you know, what you normally come out with, hey, everybody, how's it going? No. You just... I mean, you come out swinging like Barry Bonds. You're not taking any pitches. Yeah, bro. Oh, my gosh. You're, every single swing is going for the fence. I'm you damn do not. about that right now. Like, yeah. good. What's that? That's amazing. I'm, like, sweating thinking about that, having to follow that. Like, uh, that's, that's crazy. I didn't realize that's how that show was out there. Yeah, it's really super cool. I mean, it's a lot of fun to be a part of something like that because the audience is great. They're there to have a good time. And it's uh, it's just such a great experience to uh, get a chance to work that club and to work with him. But but again, like I said, he's the MC, right? 
There you go. So, and like you said, it's his show. It's his room. He just wants the best show so mm-hmm. that people tell more people and they just pack that place every every night, every every time. Exactly. Yeah. And how many other club owners across the country do that and don't have the chops that Brad Garrett's got? You know? uh, no, not many. <laughs> and by not many, I mean none. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so, all right. So there's a, we, we got from your first show to you uh, performing regularly at uh, uh, Brad Garrett's room. What's, what's that, uh, that middle sort of tissue connecting all that? I mean, where do you go from there? How, when do you feature? When do you start headlining? Like, uh, you know, I mean, next- what you mean? When did I start doing that? Yeah, I mean, how did you go from being that host to, to moving up and then to being a headliner? I lied. <laughs> this was really because you think about this. This is 1993. So, you know, I, I'm literally hanging out at the club there and I'm gathering information from all these different comedians that are coming through Detroit, Chicago, whatever. And you do a few shows with them. They give you some feedback, you know, like like any business. Some people are super cool. Some people are idiots. But you gravitate towards the ones that are like minded people and got some great advice, got some great connections. This was literally back in the day when you were, you know, giving people your business card or you were writing stuff down on a Rolodex. I saw my Rolodex. (laughs) I know, right? To even say that, I know anybody under the age of 30 is going, who put grandpa on this podcast? So a Rolodex is uh, paper and a a whole bunch of paper. And you write on it. Basically, it's ink. ABC, never mind. Yeah, I often used a, a big feather quill pen to write down my contacts <laughs> you must contact this booker in florida and they're like so that's like on your phone it's a, and you carry that with you is that how it works i uh, yeah i got i have, actually have a rolodex in my pocket at all times which makes it really really weird Super but convenient. i mean i was gathering all kinds of information from people and they were saying hey contact this guy down here contact so and so tell him i sent you and this is no email this is no internet this is no websites so you could you could lie your ass off Right, right. And it's yeah. like now, so it's so funny when you go back and you start looking at some of these old school guys that you saw on stage. I'm not going to mention names, <laughs> but some of these guys that really stretched their credits. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm doing, uh, yeah, I did all these cartoon voiceovers in Hollywood. Oh, did you now? Hang on. That takes me all but three and a half seconds to try and pull up and cover your bullshit. And get, <laughs> no, 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 you didn't. <laughs> so, wow. so, you took advantage of that. Yes. So before. So before the internet, I mean, you could pretty much lie your way around. And if somebody gave you a reference, you were solid. Yeah. So I ended up going down to Florida and, you know, got into some of these, you know, lower level rooms down there. And I go, oh, yeah, I can feature. And then I go, hey, yeah, go and do a guest spot. So you do seven minutes. Your seven minutes goes well. And they're right. paying such garbage money at the time. So they really couldn't be too, too choosy. Right. But, you know, you, you do seven minutes, they go, yeah, okay, we'll have you, you know, come in and, uh, you know, be the feature act, do 25 minutes in a, you know, in a few weeks. Now I'm like, oh, great. That's awesome. I got to write 18 minutes <laughs> in two weeks. And you just sit there and just choke on everything. Oh. I mean, it's just, so, I mean, that was, uh, that was literally, uh, it was trial by fire. Get in there and. You're up on stage and you're you're forced to do 25 minutes, and I was nowhere near qualified to be doing that. Just building not that even close. I think the other side is building the callus up, learning how to not do well. 
I think there's something to that. And not I nailed that. Afraid of it and running. <laughs> I, I crushed that. I crushed. <laughs> I was I was crushing it. It's sucking. <laughs> but you got to do that. I mean, that's uh, that's all part of the game. I mean, you've got to sit there and you've got to take your take your shots. Yeah. And wow. it's it's brutal. I mean, I think one of the greatest lines that was uh, said to me. Who was it? Frankie Paul, comedian out of Florida. And no, I know Frankie a long, long time. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I asked comics uh, how much time they have. They're like, oh, I got about an hour. It's like, oh, yeah, how much time do you have when they hate you? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Because that second hand will just go. You can rip through 45 minutes of material in 18 minutes. Yes. Done. Uh- Man, that is – every once in a while we get into talk, telling stories about just eating it hard and, and yeah, man, that the – you're right. Time slows down. Everything slows down except Everything for- slows down. But no, I mean I literally lied to get my first feature work and and then subsequently just was working the real low-level rooms and, and just trying to get stage time wherever I possibly could when I was living down in Florida the first time. I had moved down there a couple times, but um, that was what I need, needed to do. I needed to relocate. Nobody knew me down there. Yeah, it right. wasn't like they could pull up your website and look at your videos. That wasn't even an option. So you weren't you weren't going to get feature work in up in Michigan. Yeah. Well, at that time, I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, yeah, By that's, that's kind of what I mean. Like they they wouldn't accept you as that. So you you went out into the wilderness to get those opportunities. Well, yeah, because there's some larger booking agents in Michigan at the time that there was no way I was going to be able to pull wool over their eyes because. You know, right. They knew, they sure. knew who I was. There were plenty of other comics that were there yeah. that knew who I was. So you know, you can't uh, <laughs> you can't throw can't throw out too much bullshit when when someone yeah. can easily be called on the phone and go, yeah, no, that's not yeah, that's not the guy you want to hire. I, for this I know Jimmy. I know Jimmy. Hang on a second. Let me give him a call. Yeah, right. right. Uh, exactly. Uh, that's uh, that is really fascinating. That that is some crossover to film work with that too. Because once you're uh, you being a production assistant, taking that next step and getting to the next level, a lot of the people who hired you for the last two, three, five years don't. It's difficult for them to see you in a, as a different level in a different right. place, in a way. So you have to kind of branch out. You got to go other places. You gotta you gotta go away for a little while and come back and show people that you have. There's been growth. Oh, well, that's like they say: you never get respect from your home club. Right on. The place that you started from is never the place that's going to be, uh, you know, championing you to say, ah, you know, let's get it, it takes a while for them to come around and go, ah, you were, now you're ready to feature. OK, now you're ready to headline. And so you need to kind of step back from that and uh, and go elsewhere and do things. I mean, so many people get way too comfortable in their own area. There's a lot of comics that I know that, um, you know, working through, you know, comedy zones and that work in the southeast just worked the southeast. And I'm like, man, you got to get out of here. I mean, stop with the Waffle House jokes. You got to get up to go up to New England where they don't know what the hell a Waffle House is. Get out to the Pacific Northwest, hang out with a bunch of hippies. And, you know, they don't want to, you know, they have no idea what some or even same thing with, you know, comics in New York. They come down, they're doing subway jokes in, uh, you know, Greenville, South Carolina. They're going, what are you talking about? (laughs) I've literally heard that exact thing happen. Yes, I know it it, it does happen. It happens all the time. So you got to really get out of your, I think the best thing you can do is just get out of your comfort zone. 
Yeah. Get out of what you're used to all the time and, and just see how well your comedy is going to do in, uh, you know, Miami, Florida versus Jacksonville, which is night and day. Right, right. Or even, you know, Houston, Texas to, uh, you know, El Paso. I mean, it's a, you know, you're looking at, you know, different regions of, yeah. uh, of states that are. I, I notice a difference from, from the club here. When I was, I started doing a lot of uh, brewery shows, which have really taken off and some good shows too. Not all, not all stinkers, you know, I mean, it's not 12 people. Sometimes it's 60 people and they're, and it's, you know, these hot rooms and I'm doing them all over the place and traveling far to do them. And I noticed there was a, wait a period. minute, six, 60 people come to see you. <laughs> yeah, they came Interesting. to see Okay, me. continue. Sure. <laughs> no, go ahead, continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, uh. <laughs> but I was, you know, doing more time than normal. I was even closing some shows and, and you know, even doing 45 minutes and things like that, which uh, I remember there was a good six months of that. And I came back and I did a couple shows locally the, at the club. And, and and the owner at one point was like, hey, what, where have you been? What have you been doing? Because it's working. Like even that moment for me was was a big deal of getting out of here. All of those shows were far from from Charlotte, even North Carolina. Um, I was I was in Wisconsin to Florida to New Hampshire. You know what I mean? So I think what you're saying is exactly uh, an experience that I had. So uh, that's fascinating stuff. So I think it's a, probably a time. Let's take a quick break because uh, I want to get into uh, uh, your book. I want to get into uh, more about the Irish comedy tour and uh, yeah. And I want to know, I want to know if you can define your style. That's going to be coming up. Uh, We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back with Derek Richards. Uh, Whatever. Come on back. At Ortho Carolina, my personalized orthopedic care doesn't have to wait because after hours, urgent care knows accidents happen. Ortho Carolina, my care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. All right, welcome back to the Comedy Zone podcast. There was no way I was going to come back in as, as any better than I the way I left it, guys. I'm sorry. It was an absolute train wreck. Um, but I'm having a good time, so I hope you guys are too. Um, this is Comedy Zone podcast. We have a very special guest. Derek Richards is here, a very, very funny comedian. Uh, we're learning about his origin story and, and the crazy shit that he's doing. He's uh, fantastic. Um, one of the things that you have now, now again, we've, we've worked together a number of times, been my pleasure to open for you. You're, you're such a badass. Um, and I was asking, I don't know how much you talk about it, but you, you have a book, uh, it's called whiskey, cancer, and bad decisions. First of all, hysterical. Uh, and I've 
heard you talk about things from the book and I can tell us a little bit about that because we've been talking about your career, how you started and, and, you know, you are a hustler, man. You, you, you fight for every job you get. You, you're a brilliant comic and brilliant businessman. And then you had something sort of, you know, kind of take over your life. I assume I don't want to put words in your mouth and, and you even capitalized on that, uh, which what? I imagine. <laughs> Well, that was, uh, no, I got diagnosed with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, stage two, back, this has got to be, well, now it's 21 years now, um, and so, uh, 21 years ago, I've been in, uh, it's been 21 years now, remission from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I got, uh, yeah, I got cancer, I was on the road, everything was going great, I thought I was having a, a blast, and I had just noticed that I was not feeling well when I was in uh, Wisconsin doing a gig, and it just really kind of, I'm like, man, something's just not right. I wasn't, you know, my, my breathing was a little bit labored. I was feeling a little bit of pressure in my chest. And so I came back to Michigan, long story short, started the battery of tests of going to see a cardiologist. And then they said, hey, we see something on here. Let's do a CAT scan. Ah, something looks a little bit funky here with these lymph nodes. Let's go ahead and do a biopsy. Bam. You know, I ended up having cancer. And I was very fortunate to be as young as I was to get it, mm-hmm. um, you know, 33 years old. And... Wow, so I, mean, I was, um, yeah, I was wait. very, very fortunate to get it as early as I did. Yeah. Wow. And I did chemotherapy. So I did a, a total of, uh, it was eight cycles of chemotherapy. And it was, so I started it in January and it ended in, um, let's see, it was January of 1999 and it ended in, uh, it would have been uh, July. <laughs> Okay. July of 99, and then it was classified in remission at the end of uh, July. No kidding. Wow. So that was just like hard chemo. Just did you stop everything and just focus on that and, and No, I still kept – well, I still had to keep – you know, I was, I was doing comedy, and I wasn't doing anything else at the time, and mm-hmm. I needed to pay bills. So, I mean, I would get chemo, and there was, uh, you know, a couple times where I would get chemotherapy during the day and then go home, take a nap, and then do a show that night. Come on. And that, even the, uh, yeah, so anytime some comic is like, man, I don't feel good. I don't know if I can do a show. I'm like, yeah, I had cancer and had chemo and did a show. So why don't you suck it up? Yeah. That's the, that is the, that's the trump card, man. You can't, I'll never complain in front of you again, actually. No, nah, no one, you know what? Listen, no one can bitch. You say, yeah, yeah, you cancer. I got chemotherapy. I went and did a show that night. Don't be such a baby. Man, so, nah, but you know, that was just something where I didn't want it to overtake me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to be, um, I didn't want it to stop me from doing what I was doing. I was really enjoying myself at the time, uh, mm-hmm. doing comedy. It was obviously much more difficult. The doctor was saying to not do that because they don't want you to be exposed to people because your white blood cell count is so right. low because the but chemo you know. just kind of destroys your system. And then your body's trying to, you know, build itself back up. So it was a very, very difficult time. I mean, I was going on stage doing shows. I would leave, go back to the hotel and, and crash out. I mean, I wasn't um, hanging out much afterwards. I wasn't being very social, but, you know, I still had a job to do and I still wanted to do it. You felt emotionally, psychologically, it was, and I mean, financially, it's not, but it sounded like that was your motivation behind it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was extremely good for me to keep moving and, and, not, and not think about it as much as possible. Because, and they they always try to tell you when you talk to anybody who's going through cancer, the doctors will try to say, look, try to stay as normal as possible. Try to do whatever you were doing before. I mean, obviously, if you're getting chemotherapy and you were running 
you know, 10 miles a day, that's not going to happen now. Right. But try to keep your normal routine intact so you're not focusing on this because a lot of the game is mental. It really is. A lot of it is putting your mindset in the right situation and and not thinking about this. I mean, I would go to the oncology office. I would get my stuff, get out of there, boom, you know, go ahead and, you know, adjusted things that I was doing. I was seeing a nutritionist at the time that I was getting my chemotherapy done. And so she was, she had me on all kinds of different uh, supplements and tinctures and yeah. uh, extracts and everything, all this crazy stuff that yeah. now, you know, you find it at Whole Foods and Sprouts oh, or wherever other place. Yeah. And, you know, certain health food stores. I mean, you can find it now, but it was a lot of stuff that back then wasn't approved yeah. by the FDA. Because you go back to 1999, you really didn't have a Whole Foods on every corner. Yeah, right, right. And all these juicing places and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I had, I was seeing a lady who was in uh, Windsor, Ontario, and I had to go across the bridge to go get a lot of this stuff because you just couldn't get it in the States. No kidding. Wow. So, yeah, so, I mean, and it helped out. I mean, I, I never got sick when I was going through chemotherapy. Never threw up. Never. No um, kidding. I was tired, but I never got sick. And I attribute that to whatever um, supplements that she was giving me, the uh, nutritionist at the time. So um, I probably have a narrow sort of view of, of the cancer and that experience. Uh, so hearing that kind of a story is, is eye-opening. That, that's, that's fascinating. I have heard more, more and more now about nu- nutrition during that time. I have heard a little bit more about the supplements. But the idea that, that uh, you know, it's not this standard, you, you know, you get chemo, you get, use your hair and you get sick isn't always the experience it's just maybe that's me being naive but well i mean i lost my hair that's for sure yeah and uh and i you know lost it pretty much almost everywhere yeah so for for a a short time i looked like a well-hung baby (laughs) (laughs) i i think i look like a well-hung baby that's why i'm laughing you always (laughs) look like a well-hung baby because you are because I am. That's right. Because you are. You're dashing, you're sexy, and you're and you're a well-hung baby. I don't know how you can. That should be the name of your book, Well-Hung Baby. <laughs> Jason Allen King. That's or your good. first album. That's your Netflix really. special. That's right. That's what Perfect. it is. Perfect. <laughs> well-Hung Baby. Oh, my gosh. You but, no, I couldn't let this. Uh, I mean, the, the oncologist had said, he goes, look, he goes, you really shouldn't be around people. You shouldn't be on stage. You shouldn't be sharing a microphone. You're, you're really susceptible to germs and, and, and catching stuff that could really be detrimental to your recovery and i said that is amazing tell you what how about we just take these bills that you're giving me and i just tear them up and we don't pay you because this is how i make my living yeah and he just sat there for a second and he just paused and he went yeah go ahead just be careful <laughs> go ahead to the filthiest dirty place hey, go ahead and I, and I was going to the you know dankiest dumpy places in the world i mean i was fortunate that i had health insurance at the time um, because when I was waiting tables at the at the restaurant uh, from before, I had uh, Cobra coverage extended. Yeah, right. Which oh, wow. was huge. Oh my God! I mean, anybody who's out there who um, who, dry, who who wants to tempt fate and say, ah, "I'm not going to get this health insurance thing," yeah. hey, you probably should figure something out. Yeah, think about it. Think about it. Get I mean, I, like I said, I was that I was the one diagnosis away from being in financial ruin. So. That was a uh, so yeah, that was a tough one. That's for sure. But um, but no, I feel fantastic now. I feel great. I don't go back for regular checkups or anything now. The doctor just said, "Hey, look, if you feel funky, he goes come back." He goes, "But I don't see any reason for you to come back here and have any more tests done." 
man, the, the relief of that experience has to be just incomparable to anything else. Oh, it's huge. I mean, and I didn't really, you know, and I talk about it a little bit on stage now, but for the longest time, I never even mentioned it. And, yep. and I had a friend of mine who we, he and I were talking, a buddy of mine, a comedian out here, and we were just kind of hanging out and having conversation about it. And he goes, you had cancer? And I go, yeah, I had cancer, whatever. And <laughs> so we just started talking about it. And he goes, you should really talk more about this. He goes, you should, yep. you know, he goes, this is a cool story because I was telling him some of the, you know, jacked up stuff that, you know, I went through when I was going through my uh, cancer treatment. And he was the one that suggested writing a book. And I'm like, nah, whatever. And I kind of pushed it off for about, I'd say, six months to a year. Because I'm like, I don't, want, I don't want this to be, you know, what defines me. I, I was going to say, and, that's Yeah, and he goes, it's really not something that defines you. It's, he goes, you've got some funny, you know, hmm. uh, funny, ins- I'd say inspirational. It just sounds so Oprah when you say that. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's got some funny, you know, motivational uplifting things that you can share with people. And he said, I, he said, I think your book will do, will do some good. We'll help people out. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And then, and you're like, so, yeah. six, so six months to, yeah, I'm like, whatever, get another drink and, you know, yeah. continue to continue to, to pre fight COVID. See, I was, I was fighting COVID Brian and Jason long before it came around. I am so aware of what's going on in society and in everything. I, I knew COVID-19 was coming. That's why I started building up this, this the wall. I am my own little wall. See, Trump, Trump built his wall. I built my wall. His, his is brick and mortar, and mine's, mine's Jameson bottles. We all need to blindly follow Derek Richards and what he 100%. says, I think. Thank you. Somebody finally. And we just blindly do what he says. And- Somebody finally listens to me. Where have you been, you well-hung baby? Oh, that's me. That's, that's but, what uh, No, I finally got into writing the book, and it, it, it really kind of, what it did for me was it, it took a while to do it because it unearthed a lot of things that I didn't want to remember mm. because I tell about the whole experience, what I went through. And, and I talk about it in the book as if we're hanging out at the bar, you know, getting lit up. I mean, I try not to be serious about it. I try to um, make it as lighthearted of a, uh, of a discussion as possible that's for, such a, ser- for such a serious topic. Yeah, right. That's exactly the, the, what I've heard in terms of people talking about it is exactly that. It's, it's, this is a conversation. This is a candid conversation that you're having with somebody with these experiences. And, and that, I think, is probably – and I, this is just my speculation going to talk – going to speak to people more about this kind of experience than, than your traditional sort of point of view. You know. No, definitely. And what the cool thing is, is getting, you know, feedback from people afterwards, because you get people to come up after the show and they say they had cancer and you start talking to them a little bit about it. And there's a certain fraternity of people that when you've had cancer and you see people that went through what you went through or it's been it was a lot worse mm-hmm. or it was, you know, much, much easier. And but everyone who goes through that, everyone who's in that club, you're, you're in that club. And, and you know the shit that you went through. You know what your family had to go through, what your loved ones and your friends and your, you know, your psychological makeup and what you did to kind of, you know, get out of the woods. Yeah. And so, so it, it was very, uh, I, I will say that when I was done with the book, it really was a, uh, it, it was very cathartic. It really was to put it out and go, this is okay. 
sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Did that that influenced your your comedy? Do you think kind of moving forward? Did you did you adapt some of that to to your show? I mean, or did you kind of you want it to be its own thing, even though it is sort of comedic in nature? I wanted it to be its own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do talk about having cancer in in my act, and it's just barely. I mean, you've you've heard the the, yeah. the line that I use. It's just basically you know, talking about doing everything you can to enjoy every moment that you have and being present and uh, appreciating life because you just don't know when it's going to be taken from you. And everyone always seems, it sounds so cliche. And I always thought that that was just such bullshit through the years. But then when you go through it and when you are literally faced with your mortality, you talk to anybody who's gone through anything, whether it's a cancer or whether it's a bad car accident that they survived. Um, you just, it really puts everything in check. Yeah. Or everything in perspective, I should say. That's, that's fantastic, man. I'm, I'm knocked out by it. Uh, well, I, I appreciate that. I'm glad you talked to us about it. Now, the other things you have going on, obviously you have this, this podcast and I'm taking a hard left out of, out of that, which I know is a, a big part of, part of what you're doing, but, but tell me. You're always, you're always, you're great at transitions, by the way. Yeah, I'm not. I'm really not. I, I thanks. I, you are I, the you're the transition king. You know what? It, you know, your name should be the well hung baby who just says, <laughs> "Screw it, segways." Watch this. Segways. I want to talk about this now. That's what it is. <laughs> right now, I'm saying, "All right, enough about your cancer. Can we talk about the whiskey part of your story in the Irish comedy part?" That's really. <laughs> About. See, that's all you had to do. Perfect. <laughs> hey, enough of your stupid cancer story. Let's talk about you getting drunk with three other guys. <laughs> oh my God! No, right. we put that. Uh, actually, put that together. The Irish comedy tour back in uh, 2006, and it was put together kind of on the heels of you know when you had the blue collar comedy tour, and then the uh, the kings of comedy and the Latin kings of comedy, and so. Um, this thing eventually evolved into myself, another stand-up comedian, Mike McCarthy, who's been on board since day one. He's out of Boston. And then we have a uh, singer-guitar player uh, from Dublin, Ireland, Derek Keane. And then we also have a fiddle player who's on the show, Damon Leibert, who is um, fantastic as well. And so what we did is we we tried to make it where it was like an Irish pub and a comedy show in a food processor. So the musicians come out at first and... You know, they're singing, and it's like, you go to an Irish pub. I mean, you, you get the guy in the corner who's, you know, telling some inappropriate jokes and playing some, you know, fun drinking songs, and then, you know, then, uh, you know, I go up and do do my set, and then uh, the musicians come back up, and then Mike McCarthy comes up and does his set. So uh, it's just been a real fun process putting this whole thing together. And, you know, it goes back to, I mean, I've said this, you know, all along. I mean, if you're going to make something happen, you got to make it happen. You know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta do it yourself. Gotta do it yourself. Cause nobody, nobody's gonna do it for you. These guys no that go out to LA or New York and are trying to, you know, get in front of the right casting director and, and certainly it works for some people, but if you're like, Oh, I need, I need to get the special. I'm like, well, you know what? Shoot the damn special. There you go. I, and I more that's a totally promote that idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can, you have the capabilities of doing that now and you can get it out there to the masses mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it's been now literally, well, yeah, 2006, 15 years. And, yeah. um, you know, we had to postpone the whole 2021 tour because of the, uh, of COVID-19. Yeah. Because a lot of the venues are still kind of skittish about uh, bringing people back in and the social distancing aspect of it. I mean, I think Broadway is still shut down until, 
May, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, that industry, that performing arts center industry is going to take a long time for it to come back. So, I, I think so. It's, it's a very depressing sort of uh, uh, residual effect of all this, but uh, uh, but I hope it does. I think, do think there's light at the end of the tunnel. So uh, I hope you guys are planning to, to, you know, get it, get it going later. It will. I mean, it was just a, a realization that we kind of knew was going to happen. I mean, we had five dates that fell out in the 2020 tour. And because that was right when, because we really go full tilt in March. Yeah. And that was right when, right when COVID was hitting. And certain states were shutting down and they were literally, we were going to be doing a couple shows in Massachusetts. And there was one place they go, okay, well, we can only have 500 people in this, in, inside this place. And then the yeah. next day, it was like, hang on, 250 <laughs> And I'm like, this is the worst game of Price is Right ever. Because <laughs> then the next day, the call comes in and goes, yeah, they got to cancel the show. We were literally uh. driving to the show in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And we had, it was almost sold out. It's about, a, I think, maybe like a 700-seat theater, something like that. Almost no, sold out. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Canceled. In the car, driving. No To kidding. the gig. I was up in Maine with our fiddle player, and the other guys were in uh, were in Boston. And I go, guys, turn around. I go, that's <laughs> so. We're literally, it was just, just just literally watching just little dominoes just fall off the schedule. Yeah. Hey, I, Plymouth, Plymouth, Massachusetts. Maybe want to go there? Nope. Pink. And then uh, Schenectady, New York. Pink. That was gone, and that whole week just collapsed right then and there. And it was just a. Uh, you know, it was a nightmare because you just you didn't know what was happening. I, I honestly think that the I think you're right. I think the repercussions of this, I think the, the reality, the realization just across the country of performers who may not perform anymore, who just literally had to change careers. I think people are going to realize in the next couple years who disappeared, who went away. You know how hard it is for, for people trying to make it in Broadway and like, you know, comics who are great, who just couldn't last on this because they have a, you know, a wife or family. I mean, this is, this is going to be a long lasting effect. I mean, this is a perfect example. You know, you got five, six, seven guys who are, who are making their own way. It's not like they're getting paid a bunch of money to go create this tour. You're creating it yourself. Uh, man, it's, it's, it actually kind of frustrates me. It gets me a little, little worked up thinking about no, it. I mean, it kind of, you know, it did, it, it sucked at the time, but you know, it's, it's going to come back. Yeah. And just now, I mean, I think you talk to anybody, anybody in this business is just, is just numb. Yeah. Because you're right. so used to hearing dates getting canceled. And so when they're like, yeah, this venue doesn't want to do a show. These guys don't want to do a show. And we had two that were, that were still on board. They wanted to do it in Pennsylvania. We were supposed to be in, um, Eastern Pennsylvania on St. Patrick's day this year coming up. Right. And right outside of, uh, Boston in Medford, Massachusetts, two days, mm-hmm. three days later. And the two and the two gigs in between fell out. Yeah. So it's like, okay, now like, well, why don't you do St. Patrick's Day and then do the Saturday show? Well, that's you know, Wednesday and then Thursday, Friday off. So now it's not like we're not, we're not only not making money, yeah, but we're spending money we're on not losing money. hotel rooms. Hotels and stuff, yeah. Uh, the rent you know, the van rental, the liquor bill. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Wait, let's be honest. Come on. That, let's that's just a- Finite. I mean, we all know. Let's just call a spade a spade. I mean, that alone sets us back at least a couple hundred bucks. So it just made sense for us to say, look, let's just postpone this whole thing, 
get through this, let the vaccines roll out, come next year, you know, we'll be uh, stronger and better than ever. And the cool thing is, I mean, we, we were able to get our special out, uh, which is on Amazon Prime right now. It's also on uh, 10 other um, uh, platforms, including uh, uh, iTunes. You can pull it up on Comcast, DirecTV, stuff like that, too. But, uh, yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. We're really excited about it. It was it was put together by, um, you know, we shot a special. And then a good friend of mine who's a comedian out here in Vegas, uh, John Bazaar, who's a brilliant uh, editor and has done some independent filmmaking, had put it together where it was us on stage and then it kind of bounces to us off stage, goofing around and acting like idiots, and then back on stage and off stage and back on stage. And it's like yeah. just under an hour. And so he just really curtailed it to the short attention span of – today's society of all people yeah because absolutely. because i mean there, there's so many brilliant comedians that i absolutely love but i just i i won't sit there and watch an hour-long special or a 90-minute special sure. and that's just and that's just me just not wanting to you know i'm like ah, okay <laughs> so it's like i just you know I, I need i need to i need to constantly have some you know some kind of uh something needs to smack me upside the head every so often yeah and you know what's great? And, 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 and this is just a great way for us to, you know, put the special together with that. I tried. I tried right there. I really did. What's that? What did you say? Um, the, uh, is that, <laughs> God damn it. Um, I do want to ask, you said that you were a fan of comedy. You've been doing comedy all this time. You have mm -hmm. a, literally on Amazon Prime. Do you consume comedy? Uh, and I asked because I, I thought of uh, Adam Sandler's last special, which is a couple years ago now, I think, uh, that sort of touches on what you're talking about. They did he did the same set all these different places, and they would cut in and out of that from different places. That felt very fresh. Sounds like the you know your edit is is a kind of a similar idea where it came from. Uh, are you? But are you still? Are you a consumer of comedy? Do you watch specials? Or are you looking for comedy when you're home and you're not working? Am, am I looking for it online and or on TV? I would say no. No, you don't. You to don't. be honest with you, I, I really because I mean I get a chance to. I love being at a show. Yeah, I love. You know, I'll sit there and I will be in the back of the room. You and I work together, and I'm not just saying this because we're you know sitting here talking. I mean, I sit there in the back and I watch every single show that you do mm -hmm. when we're working together, and I think you're hysterical, yeah. and you know if I. Listen, if I thought you sucked, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take I'd that. Have, Brian's nodding his head. I'd have, I'd have blocked your number a long time ago. I wouldn't even gotten your number. <laughs> no, you've been very kind to actually talk a little bit of comedy. That's not, you know, I, with no, me. No, but I, I, love, I love watching it. I love being in a room when a show's going on. To, to yeah. see it on TV, it doesn't do it for me. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. I mean, I've seen plenty of great specials through the years, yeah. but I love being in that theater. I love that energy of a crowd. I love seeing how they react. I love being able to glance over and see some lady, you know, spit a cosmopolitan out of her, <laughs> shoot it out of her nose and hit her date in the back of the head. You know, I mean, that, that stuff to me, just the ambiance and the atmosphere and the energy in the room when you're watching a show and you're watching... A, uh, a you know a comedian on stage doing his or her thing, that to me I think is the best experience ever. I love it, man. That's that's I, I honestly couldn't. I do watch uh, you know shows on Netflix and whatever it is, but I've always said comedy is a it's meant to be consumed live, a hundred percent. So that's awesome, and I can't wait for it really to come back in full swing. A um, couple quick questions before we uh, get out of here. Um, 
do uh, you said this thing was four hours long this is not even is. close to four hours <laughs> i wish it was four hours if i'm being honest i'm having a good time um do you have any uh any pet peeves no i already know the answer to this um but do you have any uh not any specific but i know my man has some pet peeves any pet peeves uh, in in comedy whether that means i don't know specific jokes people do a kind of act general style what shit people do on stage any pet peeves that you want to throw out there at us sound cues oh <laughs> hey dj okay. hit my music you know what as soon as i hear that i might as well walk out the door and stick my face in a meat grinder <laughs> this is exactly that to me that to me is that is the oh hang on here's my here's my music uh, you know what i'm done with you <laughs> no, no no i don't want to do the punchline let this thing do my punchline for me so that's what exactly now that's not saying i'm not downplaying musical acts you know no, there's, no, there, there's no, plenty no. of brilliant guitar acts pat godwin is hilarious todd young yeah um, incredibly funny 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 act um but no sound cues is the worst um pet peeves just in the you know, running over your time and then coming off stage going, oh, I didn't know it was, I know it was done. You know, you're wearing a watch. Right. Right. You know, they're hitting you with the light in the back of the room. You know, like it's, uh, you know, the cops in D.C. On, during the riot. How do you not see that? It's a, a light in the back of the room, like coming from the top of the Luxor hitting you in the face. <laughs> oh, I didn't see the light. Oh, I normally, you know, usually headline. And so, you know, that's normally where my closer goes. Shut the fuck up and get off stage. I usually headline is awesome. That's great. I love that, I love that line. That, that cracks me up, too. Whenever, and I think that's one of my other pet peeves, is when somebody wants to come in and immediately start reciting their resume to you. Yeah. And I'm like, I really just wish I had just that blinking thing across my head that says, I do not care. 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 They come in, they go, yeah, you know, when I headline this room, I, I normally headline. I go, and I always say, man, I normally MC. I have no idea how I got this gig. <laughs> Shut up. That's great. Do your job. Do your job. <laughs> Do your job. Shut up. Be a good hang. Don't come on there flexing like that, right? Uh, no, say. exactly. Yeah, because then immediately when somebody tries to, I'm like, I don't know what your goal is. What's your end game? Right. You know, when you're saying stuff like that, you're, like trying, you're, to, you're, you're trying to intimidate me. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, it's just... You really don't care about anything that you're doing. It's, uh, it's... Yeah, I love when somebody brags about whatever they're doing. I'm like, I'm sorry, have you not seen that we're both in the same shithole bar in Tennessee right now? <laughs> we're both in here. We're both getting money from that guy in the corner right. wearing overalls and no shirt. That's where we're at right now. This is our now. We're, we're both shorties. <laughs> Getting drinks from a bartender who has a far more interesting story than either one of us will ever have. Exactly. That may come from a real story, from a real experience between us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it may. Yep. Real bartender, real place called Shorties that I have a picture in front of. Um, uh huh. Yeah. So, uh, any uh, any comics that we should be paying attention to? Anybody we should. Uh, uh, whether it's a you know someone with a bigger name who's just hitting anybody, I've, you know I've I've heard of this guy. Uh, what's his name? Uh, um, Chappelle. He's he's doing he's doing some things. I think he's going to go places. I think he really has some potential. Him right. and uh, that other redheaded guy 
from uh, Boston, uh, Bill Burr. Oh, yeah, B- I think- B-U-R-R. I've heard about him, too. He's, uh, yeah, no, he's, uh, he's, he's funny as hell. Now, there's so many great acts. I mean, I always tell everybody, come out to a comedy show and see. People say, who are your favorite comedians? And I'm like, you know what? The funniest people that I see all the time are people that are not household names. I mean, there's Dale Jones, who is hilarious. Um, Troy Thirdgill, another comic who lives down in Florida now, does a lot of cruise ships. Brilliant comedian. Um, So many funny, funny, funny people that you've just never heard of. And I just encourage everybody to, you know, go out to a comedy club and just see, you know what? I have no idea who this person is. You want to look him up on YouTube before you go in there? Go for it. Um, Dave Landau is another guy who's hysterical. Great friend of mine uh, out of Detroit originally, and um, he's killing it. But, I mean, just, again, so many, so many talented people. I mean, this, this business is like any other business in show business. I mean, it's, it's just being in the right place at the right time and getting the lottery number that comes up. Because there's so many right. you know, great musicians. How many have you seen at a bar where you're like, how come this person's not selling out a stadium? It's, it's an iceberg, right? All we're seeing, the people at the top sticking up out of the water, your Chappelle's and Burr's and those guys – Underneath the water, there's literally hundreds of people who are who are, you know, amazing. They just didn't they didn't get above the water line, so we don't really know who they are. And again, that's something else you promote on the show is if you if you see a name that you don't recognize at the club, go see that person. Mm-hmm. Knock you out because you have no preconceived idea of of who they are, and you know. Now, if, well, and don't get me wrong, a lot of people under the water there belong there. They suck. <laughs> And for some odd reason, I don't know what? how they keep hanging around. You know, we all know these people. I'm not going to mention yeah. names because you know everybody has their own names running through their head right now. <laughs> See somebody showing up at a club, you're like, "How is this douchebag still working? How is it? They're closing the show. How know. is this? How are they here? What did they? What debt do they need to pay off to the club owner? <laughs> There's no reason why this person should be here. Get the hell out of the business." Club owner, how are they still doing this? What what dirt do they have? That's right. I I know. So yeah, there's uh, you know, there's plenty of good people, but there's you know, the world's full of assholes too. You got to have those guys to balance off this, balance the ledger. It's good accounting. Job. It's comedy accounting. You got to have, <laughs> you got to have numbers in both sides of the ledger. That's right. <laughs> uh, all right, let's fast forward uh, uh, to, well, you know, what's next, man? Where where can people? find you in the next uh coming months uh i know i know you got the dry bar special coming out in the spring um but uh what's next man i'm excited for what what you're doing i I truly think you're you're a brilliant comic and and i want everyone else to to know your name i want i want you you're very very kind i mean uh my website derekrichards.com you can follow me on social media facebook twitter instagram i mean there's all you know just trying to stay as busy as possible right now you know, hoping that the uh, that our special on Amazon Prime with the Irish Comedy Tour does well. That's uh, theirishcomedytour.com. Uh, if you can, if you have Amazon Prime, the special is absolutely free. Uh, please, please, please check it out. We spent a ton of money putting it together. So <laughs> if you can click on it, I don't give you click on it and walk away. Play it for the cat when you're at the grocery store. <laughs> That's awesome. You know how many whiskey companies they've saved because of that tour. This is important stuff. Uh, listen, we need to not. You know, look at the distilleries as just something that was sitting there 
that we just that we didn't take it that we didn't truly appreciate so yeah <laughs> that's right good stuff well man i i really can't thank you enough for for uh coming here and uh being a part of this uh, i truly think you're great and i really hope everybody uh looks you up and follows all the things that you're doing because uh you're doing great things you're a good dude like i said you've always been helpful to me and uh i mean that might be over now but I appreciate it up to this point. So I, I that was then hanging. I just got done deleting some contacts. I added Brian, and Sweet. you are I'm in. gone. Gone. All right. No, so. man, you are seriously one of the funniest people too. Always a great hang. Uh, joking around with you. I mean, you gotta, you know, I, I don't care how funny you are on stage. If you're not funny to hang with off stage, I just I got I got no use for you. No time. We got no time for. If it. you're hilarious, but you're an idiot, I'm like, man, go away. <laughs> so. I, I love it. I love, love getting a chance to hang out and, uh, and bust each other's chops. It's always a great time, man. And again, you are, uh, again, very, 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 very talented. And I know you're going to continue to uh, kick ass. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And if everybody, anybody needs to know how to open a wine bottle with a screwdriver and a screw, I'm your guy. Derek can vouch for that. Uh, this, <laughs> mm-hmm. this is uh, the Comedy yeah. Home Podcast with Derek Richards and Brian Baltashevitz. Brian, anything to, to finish on, my friend? Uh, I do want to mention uh, Derek's book, Whis- uh, the uh, Whiskey, Cancer, and uh, Bad Decisions, available on Amazon. I literally just bought it. I'm looking; for- it'll be here Saturday. Look looking that. forward to reading it. It's awesome. Oh, you're very kind. Yeah, Thank you so much. Great. Yeah, please do. Absolutely. Please, so yeah, please, so please. nothing. I mean, you know, as far as uh, you know, QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com, the usual uh, promotion, and I, th- I want to say my presentation at Podfest Global is March 1st. If you look for Podfest, uh, search for Podfest, you'll find the website. Uh, use the promo code uh, QCPN for fifty dollars off your your admission to the conference. So uh, that's, that's, that's coming up uh, first week in March. Yeah, first week of March. That's coming up fast, everybody. So be sure to check that out. Uh, and it again, is. for I should, for I should probably start writing my thing. Yeah, was that? <laughs> I should probably start writing my thing. Yeah. No, listen. I want to end on a fizzle right now, so we're doing just that. I really appreciate it. <laughs> that's like your act. Jason starts off slow and tapers off. <laughs> Good grief. All right, guys. You <laughs> this has been the Comedy Zone Podcast. The Comedy Zone Podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the Abbott Exchange Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone Podcast are Brian Heffern and Brian Bumpashevitz. Talent Wrangler is Mike Hall. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever.